Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the First of All podcast, starring yours truly and McCarty. McCarty, you want to say hi? <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. Nate didn't mention that his name is Nate, so I'll say it. He's Nate. I'm McCarty. Yeah, but everybody knows the. Uh, everybody knows me. All right. Anyway. We have an amazing show for you today, and I know that even though we haven't recorded it yet because all of ours are amazing, Mm -hmm. so let's just get right into it. Uh, Nate, you know what? I got to be better about um, when we start these podcasts every week to not start with, uh, I feel like if you went back and listened to like the last I don't know, 24 episodes. I started with like, uh, it's really like really annoying. So I need to be better about that. But something that we didn't mention last week or that I didn't mention is that last week's episode was our 26th episode in a row. Um, well, 26th episode overall, but also in a row, uh, which I think is pretty monumental. Um, if you aren't familiar with our podcast, we record once a week and, uh, and then we post it once a week. And so 26 weeks in a row is pretty awesome because that's half a year. That's six months, man. And like six is a lot of, is like a big number in general. But then if you think about it in terms of months that you've been doing a year and like, that's pretty. Nate, I would like to give you a virtual pat on the back for sticking with me uh, and doing this week after week. Cause I've really enjoyed it for one. And also, uh, other people enjoy it so kudos to you and to me and to all of our listeners because i think it's pretty cool well it's a huge feat for me as mccarty will tell you as well i i rarely do things for a long period of time but um recently i just i've been married for a year uh just thank you everybody i know you're clapping and saying stuff and uh but this is this is a big deal for me 26 weeks is um did you it's half a year right did we say that yeah okay yeah that's a big deal half a year is a big deal so Happy, uh, happy half year to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, and for those that are like, well, how do you know it's half a year? Um, that's because there's 52 weeks in a year and 26 is half of 52. So if you were wondering where we got that from, it's a uh, scientific and factual, uh, which Nate would agree is, you know, everything that we talk about on this podcast is factual. Yes or no? It is. And it's not an opinion, even though it sounds like one, it's all factual. Everything we say is factual. So, you know, just if you're looking for a podcast that's based, rooted in the truth, in fact, then you're at the right place uh, because that's what we do. Um, Nate, I'll give you a chance to talk about your weekend here in a little bit. But um, I just got back yesterday, actually last night, um, from a trip to Los Angeles, California. Nate, how many times have you been to Los Angeles? I've been to Los Angeles zero times. What about to California, though? I have only made it to Colorado. That's as far west as I've gone. Um, I was actually with Nate in that trip that he went to Colorado, and it was a beautiful time. Um, but I had also never been to California. I had been to Las Vegas, um, and I'm going to Google right now as I'm talking to see whether Las Vegas is more west than Colorado. I was going to say. Or where we were in Colorado. I've I'm been, not sure. I've though. been in Vegas. So if it is further west, then that's as far west as I've been. I forgot. Yeah, you've been there. So anyway, uh, I went to, let's see. Oh, yeah, dude. Vegas is like way more west than Colorado. Oh, good. Like we made lot. it. I made it then. Vegas is like almost to California. Um, 
So I've been to California now. That was my first time going. Went to LA for work uh, and I was there for about 36 hours. And 36 hours is enough time. Um, actually, about 30 minutes is, is enough time to realize that everybody in LA is exactly like what you thought people in LA are like. So I know that we're not really supposed to like stick to stereotypes. Those are like bad in our society right now. But the thing is, the thing about LA is, it's full of people that are definitely from LA, you know? And I think we just have to acknowledge that. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Those people are just exactly like you thought they would be. And uh, I just feel like we need to acknowledge that Nate is from the Midwest where you don't really know what Midwest people are like. You don't, they don't have an accent. They don't really do much with their day. It's just kind of cold all the time for some reason. And like, that's just the way Nate is. You know, but for me, I'm from the South and I sound and act like somebody from the South. Maybe Nate will disagree, but I think that stereotypes are typically right. Like I would in general, especially when you're talking about where people are from. I am comfortable with your description of me. Yeah, there was nothing negative about it, but also nothing positive. Right. You know, maybe neutral is good sometimes. That's where I like to stay. So that's L.A. for you. It's 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 like what you think it is. Uh, Of course, it's beautiful. Uh, there's no denying that um, the weather's amazing. Ironically, uh, the couple of days that I was there, Monday through Wednesday, and on Wednesday, it was the first time it rained all year in 2019. Lucky, um, but also monumental, I suppose. So I was there for work. Um, people in L.A. are exactly like everyone thinks people in L.A. are. Uh, I actually didn't think the traffic was too bad. Um, and I don't think Atlanta traffic is that bad either, but maybe that's just because I lived in New Jersey and I'm used to it. Um, but Nate, I'll, I'll get your take on this. So I've been flying a lot recently and you've flown a lot in your life too. And I've come to the conclusion that there should be an experience threshold for people that get on planes. Now I'm talking like jet planes where there's like, let's say 50 or more people. I feel like you have to work your way up to that. And the way you do that is by taking smaller planes or like little commuter airlines, uh, little regional airlines, you know, those kind. And then you work your way up to being in like the big time jets because I'm so tired of going through an airport and being delayed or distracted or behind because of somebody in front of me that doesn't know what the heck they're doing. And it starts it starts when you get to the airport. Because there's like half the people that are dropping people off or picking people up in cars don't know the flow of how to get people out of their car into their car. So that you can already tell those people have just like haven't been to an airport that many times. Then you go to the ticket counter and those people don't know you're supposed to have your ID out, that your bag's supposed to weigh a certain amount, that you have to pay for extra baggage. And like all the, the, the same kind of people that don't know how to ride the plane don't know the whole the whole experience, like all the steps. And then you get to security and that's, that's where it really sets in. That's where it hits you hard because they're going to delay you. It's like, it's the same at every airport. It's the same. You take your shoes off, you take your belt off, your laptop or your iPad or your game console goes in its own bin. And then you put everything else in a different bin and then you walk through Like it's not hard, but people get so confused and just so out of whack on how to do it right. And I, I don't get it. It's it's just the same. So that's what I'm saying is that you should have to go through a certain, you should have to practice doing it. 
so that none of us are delayed. Nate, what do you think about my idea? Well, I, I agree completely because I'm at, I'm at the point where I got sweatpants, maybe flip-flops if, if, I'm, if I don't have anything to do too serious, and, and a hoodie. Everything's in my backpack, down to my chapstick. Put it on one, push it through, and I'm through. That I mean, that's super easy. Um, I'm at that point. So I feel like you're right to an extent, but I also feel like that there's those members programs that are out there. And maybe it's time that you look into a members program. So I'm pretty sure once you get into something like that, you got you have your own you just got your own experience all the way through. Am I right? Yeah, I mean like the TSA pre check thing is kinda like that. There was a different one at LAX that is it was like a different name I'd never heard of before, but they pushed you to the front of the line too. So I guess if you just pay money to be a part of one of those, you, you only deal, deal with experienced people. So maybe that's the solution, but it's like what you said, like you've done it enough times that, you know, you don't really need a lot to fly or you don't need a lot to take on your trip. So you pack really light, you pack comfortable and you can like get through really, really quickly. It's the, it's the people that have like three carry on bags and like have soap and deodorant and all the stuff in there that you're not supposed to have. And then they have like a bottle of water in their backpack. It's just like all these things that people that fly frequently would know you don't need to have, or you shouldn't have. And they're the ones that are holding up the line. And it's truthfully, they've gotten security down to a science. So it doesn't always take that long. I think I like typically prepare for like, an hour and a half of security time. And it's like never in my life taken more than like maybe 45 minutes, maybe. And that would be like a, a really long time. So maybe it's just a me thing. I don't know, but I feel like we need to start these people with like a smaller scope or have like a, an amateur or beginner's gate where they just go and do their thing. And then all of us people that like know what we're doing and can fly through it, then we should just go. I guess that's what TSA pre-check is, but like, they just need to make it like more accessible. Maybe yeah. they need to put like an obstacle course security thing like outside the airport and you can practice. <laughs> and those people that, who have flown less than five times have to go through this obstacle course until they're down to like five minutes. <laughs> I like that actually. Like that's what I'm saying is like there has to be an experience threshold of like how many times you've done it so you know not to hold up the line. And sometimes it's old people too. Like old people just do everything slow and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt is because I'm proud of them for even flying. Half of a lot of old people won't even fly. Um, but a lot of times it's just like people that move slow. But I'm talking about like those those like 35 to 40 year old people that are like terrified to fly, which also doesn't make logical sense. Me and Nate have a friend, her name's Ann. And uh, she has a fear of um, blue whales, big, big whales, like in the ocean. And that's like her biggest fear in the world. But it's also like, don't like how many times have you been in the ocean in Alaska? Because that's like the only time that's like the only place that those whales are. And so it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. Being scared of flying is irrational. It's actually one of the more safe ways of traveling based on odds of like getting injured. So the fact that like use Atlanta, for example, they send out like 1100 flights a day, a day. And you don't, you're not reading in the news of any of those planes crashing. So it's like, what are you scared of? There's nothing to be scared of. It's all very, very safe. I've flown probably more than a hundred times in my life and never had an issue. I've never even had the mask fall out of the ceiling. 
Like nothing ever bad happened. Nate, have you ever been on a plane where you're like, this is the one, this is the one that's going. I've been on a plane with some heavy turbulence, but I, I mean, I welcomed it. It was like a roller coaster. Yeah. I've been on planes like that too, but like, it's that's just so common to me now that it just doesn't oh, yeah. it doesn't bother me. I'm sorry, me. I was supposed to no, I've never been on one. Plane they're super safe. Yeah. Uh all right, here's a question for you. And I wrote this down when I was on the plane yesterday coming back to uh Atlanta. Um if do you think if flights were more frequent and or cheaper, if flights were more frequent and or cheaper, do you think more people would fly or people would fly more frequently? I think if flights were cheaper, people would I mean, like obviously so when I was in when I was in London and I was going to Spain, and this is something that you'll hear once you get overseas, it's super cheap to travel anywhere else. It was like the equivalent of thirty dollars for me to fly from London to Spain. Don't quote me on that, but I'm like it was really, really small. Uh the plane wasn't the greatest in the world, but if it was 30 bucks for me to get to you, I'd be there, you know, like once a, once a month, you know what I mean? When you're talking like a couple hundred bucks, it's a little harder. And I think people would, would, um, stay away from that a little bit more. I see. I think that that's probably right. Like in, in the case of like me and you who are very comfortable flying and would do it frequently and like, don't have an issue with like how long it takes sometimes or like the the little amount of sleep that you get like all of the things that are involved with flying but i also think that people that are comfortable with flying are already doing it no matter what the cost is you know like especially for work like th- they don't care what the price is and like i don't really care what the price is if i'm going to take like two or three personal trips a year and fly to somewhere to see a, a friend or go on vacation or whatever. Like I'm going to do that regardless of how expensive it is. That's just the nature of the world we live in now. That's so mobile and accessible. I think that if you were made flights cheaper or more frequent, which probably would inherently make them cheaper, the people that are still scared to fly right now still wouldn't do it. I just don't think that money would be a motivator for them to do it. Like if it was significantly cheaper, uh, the people that are flying now would just fly more, and the people that aren't flying now still wouldn't fly. I think that's really what would happen. I can I can get behind that. All this has made made me think of something. I'm hoping I'm not stealing your thunder with this, but I've been thinking about they should like tier this thing, and they kind of do to an extent. But like they should have platinum membership to something to where maybe you know you get out of your car and there's a door you like. They do all your stuff right there. You walk into a very comfortable room. They come get you. It's like, you know, it's time to it's time to fly. You step mm-hmm. out of the building, into the plane, and you're gone. And the plane's really nice. You know, all the way down to 20 bucks, the plane may or not make it. But, you know, <laughs> you, you might get there. I think that they should have levels. Yeah, it's like the same company that has, like, yellow taxis. It's like they do the cheapest flights, which, I well... I don't know how many times you've flown Allegiant or Frontier, but it's like essentially I that. love Allegiant. Allegiant is like, it is the yellow taxi cab of planes. And like, I'm fine with it. That's the whole point. Nate was talking about like in Europe, he flew for like $30, but like you didn't care about the plane. You just cared that it was cheap. Yep. So I feel like if we did that in America, we're like, I don't care how I get there. You could sh- put me in one of those human cannons and shoot me out like a cannonball. As long as I landed safely where I was supposed to go, I would be fine with it. it re- I really And would. even if you got, you know, relatively close to where it was safe, it's like, 
you you almost did it. Yeah, and like I knew what I was paying for, you know. Like I don't go to McDonald's and get a two dollar hamburger and expect it to be Red Robin. Like you just you have to know what you're getting into. There was a um, there was a barber shop in Indianapolis. You you probably know McCarty Reds. I'm probably shouldn't throw them under the bus like this, but um, Reds. Reds. I don't even remember that. It's a super classic one downtown. Older gentleman, you know. They're all dressed in their suits and stuff, and they do, like, really nice haircuts. But when you walk in there, people are like, the haircut's, uh, I think the haircut's, like, 20 bucks. And it's like, okay, that's not bad. Well, then it says, like, um, the top of your head, you know, is, like, 10 extra dollars. If you want a hard part, it's 10 (laughs) extra dollars. That is what Allegiant is. It's like 30 bucks for a flight and then 20 for each of your shoes. Yeah, and then like if you want oxygen on the plane, you gotta pay like a little bit extra for that. Yeah, that's how it is. And Frontier is the same way, but I usually that's the whole point though. Like I I flew to New Jersey a couple weeks ago, and it was really cheap for me to do that. And if they were like, "Look, man, like it might be kind of hard to breathe, but it's only like twenty dollars," I probably would have just done that. Like I don't need to breathe really, like if it's gonna be cheap. So I don't care that much about that, and. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe we're in the minority, but, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how, if it, if it, if our society can come up with a way to make it cheap. Um, the last thing that I have, um, that we're going to have to make last 13 minutes, um, filling out forms. Okay. That is, so here's what I think, man. I think that filling out forms when you're an adult is just the same thing that we did in like school and like taking tests. Like that's what you take tests for is to learn how to fill out like insurance forms and like buying a house form, like all the forms that come with it. It's like all, that's all it is. It's just teaching you how to fill out paperwork. Cause that's what adult life is. Adult life is waking up each day and trying to figure out how many forms you're going to have to fill out, fill out. Maybe I'm wrong on that, Nate, but I feel like that's what I've discovered is like, how many forms is this Monday going to have for me? If it's not a lot, then it was a good day. If it's a lot, then it was like an average. Yeah. And I think it's always important for when you know that you're going to have a day of, of form filling that, you know, keep in mind, remember the date, you know, people get hung up on the date. They always have to, to ask what what the day is be ready with that you know look look when you wake up um but to your point about the test i think you're right i think the people that haven't filled out a form yet and they're a little nervous and they get to you know their first medical form and it's asking all these you know check the box if you have this disease and you just start checking through and you kind of just realize you know you wrote your name at the top you're checking through answers it's just like a test that's exactly what it is. And, you know, instead of – did you guys have Scantrons when you were growing yes, up? Yes, we did. You know what? Can I say something about Scantron real quick? Please, go ahead. I was told – I was told that if you finish your Scantron and you rub chapstick down the numbers – or no, down the down the scanning part, you know, where it would actually scan it, that no yeah. matter what you put, the right answers would come through. So after a, after a test one time, I rubbed my chapstick all all down the scanner. And how that how did you do on? I that got test? a C. <laughs> well, that, does that mean it, it didn't did work? Not work? 
I don't even, uh, first of all, that sounds like one of your friends is trying to pull a practical joke on you. And you just now realized it like today years old. Um, but also, can we just talk about like, what is, who works for Scantron and like, where are they based out of? Because they're doing really well. Obviously, they have like if every school in America is using scantrons, like how good are they? And they doing? have so little overhead. I mean, they have like the things that scan it. I don't even know what this, what that is, but other than that, they're just. I mean, they're just printing out papers with numbers and bubbles you fill in. Like somebody should figure out how yeah. to do that locally. <laughs> Dude, I remember. I don't know what the scanning thing is. I don't even know if I ever saw it, but. I, our teachers used to make us grade somebody else's like you ever do like get to you turn your test in and then like the next day you just like pick up one from the list of turned in tests and you have to grade somebody else's oh, yeah. you ever do y'all have to yep. do that yeah so like you're not even using the scanner half the time yeah. it's just us grading our own papers and it's funny that you mentioned that because the first thing that you should do if, if any high schoolers are listening i was the king of cheating the first thing you should do if you do the grade somebody else's paper thing is find that person and make eye contact with them. Like the whole time you're grading, you have, you have to find them. You have to locate them. And once you do really lay the pressure on, they got to know that, you know, that you're grading their test. And when they get it back, that they didn't do anything for you. And you'll remember that for the future. That's how you build like a, uh, like you owe me kind of thing. Like in uh, the office, when Dwight and Andy are like doing the, the favors or whatever that's like how you build up you know a list of people that owe you one you know um switch go the ahead. switch that happens you know because sometimes you're sitting there and it's just like switch with the person next to you never understood it yeah um but some <laughs> of my greatest friends and some of my greatest enemies with that one yeah dude i just i'm just now realizing like i'm not going to call our teachers lazy i'm not because Teachers put up with so much more crap than I would ever want to put up with in my life. I could never, could never be a teacher. I'd, I, First of all, I can't teach people anything. I just am not good at that. I learn things so fast in my life. So it just like doesn't, it, it just baffles me why people can't learn things. So I'm just like the worst teacher ever. But also like how clever were our teachers at manipulating us into like doing their job? Like, think of another example in our world where you can do that and it's okay. That's very true. I can't think of anything in my life where I can, like, manipulate somebody into doing my job and them thinking that they were, like, doing something on their own or, like, accomplishing something that they could do. I can't think right. of anything. If you really think about it, like, now that we're adults and stuff and we know, like, how jobs and life work, like, grading is, is the teacher's equivalent to homework generally. Like, they have to do it at some point. So, like, if you if you think about it, the days that they made us trade and grade – it was like, you know, maybe that night they had a mo- they had dinner plans or something. It's like I don't have time to grade this, so I'm just gonna have them switch. Yeah, I saw a meme one time that was like a teacher like stayed out too late partying or like on a date night or with their friends or whatever, and then they get to class the next day and they watch a movie. It's like that's the reason we are watching movies. It have anything to do with class at and all. Some of those movies were just way the heck out there. They'd have like one scene of like leadership, and they'd be like. That is what we're going for. My dad. So my dad is a teacher. Um, he's been a teacher his whole life. Um, well, his whole adult life. And uh, he taught a class at my high school called Contemporary Issues, uh, which is basically like 
uh, teaching people about like current events type stuff, but also not like today current events, but like relevant topics like 9-11 or like the JFK assassination or the moon landing, like understanding those from like a historical point of view. And then also like the uh, conspiracies that come with them or like debates and stuff like that. So do we used to watch, first of all, that class was a joke. Let me just say that first of all. Uh, and it's a lot because my dad is just a really easy teacher. And secondly, because a lot of the lessons that he was teaching was like life lessons, not stuff that you could like put a pencil on and like solve it or anything. It was like learning how to socialize or learning how to hear perspectives that were different than yours, stuff like that. So anyway, we used to watch videos in there that he got off like the discovery channel and we would like record them onto a DVD. So we literally would watch like the moon landing conspiracy or like the JFK assassination conspiracy. We watched, uh, the, uh, a, a bunch of documentaries on like the Waco, Texas cult thing or Jim Jones in South America, like all this kind of stuff. And it was like the most intriguing videos of all time, but also like not super relevant to our education. So I think that was like a good hybrid between like learning sort of, and then also just like giving the class something to do that's intriguing. Cause like you said, some of those videos were terrible. Like you didn't want to watch them at all, but also you didn't want to do regular classwork. So you were always torn by between which one you'd rather do. It was a good like time to note past too, but I just want to give a shout out to, Mr. Maxwell, um, that's McCarty's dad, if you guys don't know McCarty's last name. Um, I think, actually, his brand of teaching is actually more sought after today than most things. Yeah, that's what he would say, too. It's it's like either that, like either it is a really cool way of teaching, or it's pure laziness. Right. We don't know which one. It could be And maybe both. he like has to work some more things in. I don't exactly know everything he does, but... People like if you come out of a class knowing how to talk to somebody better, easier, or you are more open minded to people's perspectives, that's so much more valuable than math. And someone can someone can say something to me about that because I would love for you to get on the podcast with us and talk to to us about that. Well, I took a pre-cal class and uh, I'm going to tell you right now, calculus is relevant to zero things in my life. So that's just yep. actual um why i mentioned filling out forms and then we went off on a tangent that i don't know why we did but it was great uh so when you fill out forms online especially well actually this is the only way that it's true but that's where most forms are filled out these days and you click it'll ask for all your personal information and then uh you get to um like your birthday or Sometimes other stuff like maybe like when you started a job or something uh, and then there's a drop down menu of years. So my birthday is March 16th and I was born in 1995. Okay. So you click on the drop down menu and try to find 1995. Why the heck is the year starting at 1905? Tell me that. That makes no sense because first of all, anybody that's 1905 year is that's their birth. Uh, they don't know how to use a computer. I guarantee it. Secondly, they are not alive. I don't think, I think the oldest person in the world still is not born in 1905. So actually, no, that's not true. I think some, some people are like 130, so they still would be, but those people aren't using computers. That's the whole point. So don't do that. Like if you're, it should be like 1980 and then like other, that's the 1980 and up. And then other. Cause like, 
the fact that and then it even has like 2018 or 19 on there so you're you're going from people that are 120 years old to zero years old like that we have to make sense with the with what we're doing in the world and that's like a step in the right direction if we can fix that then i'll actually have some hope for us yeah and even at even at 120 130 and i I know that there has been somebody claimed to be a certain age, 120, 130. I don't know what it is. Um, until people can produce a birth certificate on that, I, I'm, I'm not going to believe that. But if you're born <laughs> in 1905, somebody is filling out that form for you. There is no way you are filling out your own form. So you're telling me you don't believe that people are 130? Well, I've seen the last couple that have claimed to be so, and people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I've, I've known them their whole life. They're that age. You haven't known them their whole life. Because if they're that age, they're born before you. You've known them your whole life. You haven't known them their whole life. But they haven't produced birth certificates. I know that there, I think That's there's true. one that has a birth certificate, and he's like, he or she's like 115. But the people that are like, I'm 145 years old. It's like, no, you're not. Like, you're not. I guess I'm I'm smelling what you're stepping in there. Like, you can't say that but not be able to prove it. So here, I looked it up. The oldest person alive, Kane Tanaka from Fukuoka, Japan. I don't know how to say that. F-U-K-U-O-K-A. Fukuoka, Japan has been officially confirmed as the oldest person living at 116 years old. See, that's what I mean. That was on March 9th. And there's like there was like an Indian woman who they said was 130. It's like, let why don't we just say confirmed? I like that word. 116-year-old confirmed. That means that there's a birth certificate there. The 130-year-old person. And, and this was the thing. I'm pretty sure that this happened. The 130-year-old was a chain smoker. And that's why I was so mad because they like – highlighted that fact he's like no cigarette no that's, that's just encouraging raw bad behavior right. they're not doing they're doing the opposite so don't say that they're doing that yeah uh this is she was born in 1903 so i'm still right about that like 1905 filling out your own form get no unless she was filling out the form to like to Guinness Book of World Records, that's the only time she's ever pressed that button. I Do you think when it. she was born, she was like, I'm going to make it to 2000? Dude, I don't know, but I'm trying to make it to 105 because then I'll live in three centuries, which would right, be Right, and I don't really care. Like, I just, I, I want to die when I have, when I lose function or whatever, but it would be cool to just see, it would, would it be 2021? 20, Wait, It'd what? It'd be like 2100 that we'd be in. Oh yeah, that yeah, would just yeah. be cool, you know, to say that you you were there. All right, so Kane, this woman is six years shy of the record for oldest person ever, which was held by Jean Louise Calment. She's French. Uh, Jean died in a nursing home. Uh, she was 122. What a life, dude! That's too many years, man. I got it. Is a long. It's a long time. That's just, oh, God. I can't even imagine living to, like, 50, much less 120. All right, man. Well, I'm going to wrap us up because we've gone a little bit long talking about the oldest people ever. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as Nate mentioned, um, 
that that's him that you heard and then this is me so that's him and i'm me and uh we do this every week this is the first of all podcasts uh we post on thursdays and uh we appreciate you guys tuning in we will be here again next week and you will hear from us again and that's it see you